welcome to the Kickass Conferences Talk Show. I'm Nessa Jimenez, the Operations Manager at Kickass Conferences. And I'm Isaac Watson, Executive Producer. Yeah, and welcome to our next episode. So today's topic is constructing the narrative of a conference. All right, Isaac. So um, for you and I, like that totally makes sense. That phrase is very obvious, like what it means. But uh, I, I, I don't think so for... Maybe someone that's watching us or listening to us, right? Uh, so why don't we start just defining that when we talk about a narrative, constructing a narrative for a conference, like wh what does that mean? Well, I, so you're absolutely right. Not everybody knows the jargon that we use, uh, that we've come to know and love. Um, so for me, an attending um, or a conference narrative is about the journey that an attendee goes on from the very beginning of them encountering what your event is all the way through to hopefully attending it. And then what are they going to do once they're done? That is this whole uh, kind of story arc that we have influence over as event designers and producers that uh, can help bolster that experience all along the way. So when we're talking about the narrative, we're, we're talking really about um, thinking through those different touch points that uh, a potential attendee originally uh, at the outset is going to have, mm -hmm. as well as um, every, every point along the way to interacting with your event, buying a ticket, getting excited, um, preparing themselves, and then actually experiencing the thing. Yeah, like when we talk about attendee journey, it's it's pretty long. It's not just like the event itself, right? Like there's this whole process and we'll talk more, a little bit more about that uh, later. But yeah, so so basically what the question that we tend to ask when we start working on something is like, what's the story? What's the story we're trying to tell? What What is here? Um, and that's really important. And I would even say, especially for you in your role, like that's where the most heavy lifting, like the biggest work happens. So why don't we break that down a little bit of like, why do we care about a story? Why does there have to be a story in the first place? Yeah, I I think the, the story is important because at the core of what we do, it it is about the attendees experience more so than uh, the organizers experience. Um, the whole reason conferences exist are to gather people together. And so I think part of part of where we start with that is having a deep understanding of who that audience is, what their motivations are, what their goals are, why they might even care to attend an event. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have a deep understanding of that, I think it's really hard to craft something that they will be willing to part participate in. Yes, I, I think a lot of people have a tendency to 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 let their own kind of their own priorities and their own motivations get in the way. And then they work backwards. And they're like, oh, well, we're going to do this thing and it's it's going to be an event. And this is this is why we're doing it. And then we're going to go find some people who want to do it, too. And they're working backwards to identify who those people are. If you start first by identifying the audience, and understanding who they are and why uh, why they want to attend and what they need, then mm -hmm. you can build something from the start that meets those needs um, rather than trying to like shove, you know, a, a persona into a framework that you've already developed. So, yeah. um, you know, I think an example of this um, 
that I can give that's a little more concrete is um, we worked with a client uh, starting last year to help produce an, uh, a conference. Uh, the event's called Clarity. And uh, the person who organizes it, Gina, is has self-organized the conference uh, to this stage for four years. It was an in-person conference. Um, and she built the event around uh, the design systems community mm-hmm. and conceived the, the entire event as, as a way for, for people working in design systems, which is a subset of um, the design industry and focuses heavily on UX and UI design. Um, to to come together and share best practices. So so she brings us on board last year to help produce the event. Um, and what did we do at first? At first, we set out to define like, okay, what is this thing uh, mm-hmm. that's already been around? Why has it been so popular? Um, and let's meet some of the people who are, you know, hell-bent on attending because there are a lot of really die-hard long-time attendees Uh, and so for us it was it was about doing the work to to seek out that knowledge to understand these these attendees and and what they want to do so we had calls with long-time attendees Um, we talked in depth with the client about the origin story of like, why did Clarity even start? Like mm-hmm. what, what, you know, inspired you to, to create this thing? Yeah. And what are some of the things that people get out of it? What, it, what are, what keeps them coming back? And through that, we learned that it's one of the reasons it's been successful is that it's it's not focused on a specific tool or product. It's focused on how people within the community are working together and how they're working on projects. Um, it's focused on this relatively novel uh, sub-industry of design systems that's really only been um, called that for the last five years or so, maybe six years, um, and looking at how this this community within design is growing and shaping and influencing the products and the services and the the things that that consumers use every day. Uh, so if had we not done that, we would have had no, well, A, we wouldn't have had any idea how to help the speakers develop their talks because it's subject matter that we were new to. Um, but we also wouldn't have been able to understand how an attendee makes a ticket purchasing decision or how an attendee decides what's exciting and enticing content for them or what their priorities are professionally. Yeah, and like those interviews, because we did interviews, but we also did a like a community survey. And I think the combination of those two was super helpful in helping us define like why do people care? Like why does this matter? Um, because it became super apparent the fact that they consider themselves like a family. A phrase that kept coming up was family reunion, you know? And I don't think that had we not done those interviews, that's that's not a phrase. Like, I wouldn't associate family reunion with design systems on my own, you know what I mean? But since we interviewed people, we actually spoke to people who care. Um, I think at least two of the people we spoke to had been every single year. That really did have an influence on And that. I think it was especially important to do that foundational work of truly understanding the audience and 
and helping identify that journey that allowed us to successfully pivot the conference to an online event. Um, I think that, that, you know, especially for something that was in person for four years and growing and really strong, um, making that decision to go online was not something we could take lightly. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just a matter of finding a virtual venue. It was really about understanding, okay, in this crazy pandemic time where, uh, you know, everybody's zooming, everybody's meeting virtually, there's, you know, things popping up left and right. Why would someone choose to take three days to attend this particular conference Mm -hmm. at this moment in time? And with that framework in mind, that allows us to make really excellent decisions around the tools, around the, the content, around the presenters, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And having to do the event virtually made the story even more important because we don't have the same tools as an in-person event. Like just the fact that there's bodies in the room, like, you know, that that influence, that energy that has something that means something. And without having that, we really did have to like hyper focus on like this is the story we're trying to tell. And this is the story that we need to, to like beam through the, the computer screen. <laughs> so I would say like in virtual, it's even more important because you don't have that, that like spatial experience, right. Of in-person. Exactly. I, you know, there is a lot to be said about that in-person energy, um, that, you know, person to person connection, and it's really hard to reproduce or achieve that same kind of connection in an online environment, but you get a lot closer to it when you do have that deep understanding of why someone is there and why they should care. Um, if you, if you can base your decisions and your content planning and everything around that, you're going to be a lot closer to hitting those needs. Yeah. So attendee journey is why does anybody care? Why do I care? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so talking so talking about that, you already mentioned it a little earlier about like the parts. So let's go into that. Let's go into the parts of this journey and how that plays out. Yeah. So I think that there are a lot of um, a lot of people who just approach conference planning in particular as thinking about the days of the actual event Mm -hmm. and they may be thinking a little bit about the days preceding you know people you know flying to a particular venue or um, arriving at an opening reception or things like that and they may think a little bit about the the couple of days afterward like what are people going to take away from this that's all good Uh, but the attendee journey really does start at the very beginning when they're first encountering your event from an awareness standpoint. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that attendee journey plays into your content and marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, Really keeping in mind that, you know, decisions to attend a conference these days, especially if it's something they're expected to pay for, uh, are not taken lightly. There's a lot of opportunities out there. Um, people can't attend everything that they may maybe want to. And so they have to be very careful about making that decision. Um, you know, we found, uh, time and time again, and I, I think that this is shifting dramatically, um, because of the pandemic and because of the, the, the virtual tidal wave that has crashed down around all of us. Um, 
but within person events generally you know we found that that a tip a, a prospect attendee if you want to think about it in lead generation terms um, really requires you know what is it something like 12 to 18 positive interactions with, yeah now because it used yeah. to be seven but huh, now it's like worse yeah <laughs> yeah um, it, it takes a lot yep. to get them to a point where they feel confident making a purchasing decision or an attendant yep. a commitment decision um and you add into that if you know if this is around a business industry, you add into that a layer of, you know, manager approval and time off, or you know, is this on company time? Um, do they have to travel? What's the amount of financial commitment? All of these are factors that influence the attendee's journey. And if you can think through all of those points along the way, and craft your uh, your marketing and the information you're communicating and your um, your attention to those details in a way that helps them understand that this is something that you care about, uh, then they're going to see, they're going to read that. It's going to come through loud and clear that this is thoughtful and intentional, and that's going to bolster their confidence in what you're producing and get them closer to not just that ticket purchasing decision, but closer to having a good experience at the event. Yeah, absolutely. And in our, in our planning process, even though obviously not everyone that hears about the conference is going to attend the conference, right? But we include them as an attendee. We give them that label because we still have to tell them a story, even if they don't decide to purchase for whatever reason, um, right? Because they're still part of that community. They become part of that audience and it they're not coming this year, but they're still following you on social media. And they're still looking at like, what are the emails you're sending out? What are the pictures that are coming from this event, right? So they definitely, oh, and, and also they might not attend, but they share it with other people, right? Right. So they, they might not end up being a, a paying ticket attendee, but they still need to be part of that process. Okay, so. Yeah. Yeah, so. Let's talk a little bit more about the marketing, though, because I feel like that's the part of the story that's actually the longest in terms of time, because the conference might be three days, but this yeah, other sure part is. is like six months. <laughs> right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, uh, so like I said, it starts with that foundational work of understanding who the attendees are and what their motivations are, why they care about the event. That information is going to be critical toward your marketing strategy and how you actually apply what you've learned in a way that then get, disseminates back to them. Um, so, you know, most... Um, most people who market events are used to kind of the the drip method of mm -hmm. teasing out content, right? So you mm -hmm. start maybe announcing a few speakers and you may have some sponsors to announce and then you have some more speakers, maybe there are workshops uh, and things like that. And of course, then you also have the tiers of tickets. You got your super early bird and yeah. your early bird yeah. and your regular, right? Yeah. So like there's a natural rhythm to sending out that information. But if you ignore the attendee journey along the way, it just comes off as megaphone news blasts. Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> you want to consider, okay, where, where along the journey are we? Um, it, is this 
you know, we have to start with awareness, right? So people need to know about the event. They need to know kind of the basic details of when and where it is. And that plants the seed. Then Mm -hmm. they want to know a little bit more information. Um, Then they're going to want to go through the, I guess you'd call it the, the commitment evaluation or the, Mm -hmm. the right. So like, do I have time to attend this? Can I get the time off? Can I, do I have the budget to travel? Um, Is it in my time zone? If it's a virtual event, all those kinds of things. Do I need to run it by my boss for approval? Things like that. Um, And then they also need to evaluate the value of what you're offering. If you can't communicate that beyond just a speaker name Mm -hmm. um, and a schedule, do I think people are getting a lot more, uh, putting a lot more scrutiny around uh, what am I going to learn from this? What are my takeaways? Yeah, because again, the big question, why do I care? Like, okay, great. You have this speaker that you put their name in their picture. Okay. And why do I care? What, what yeah, am I getting exactly. from this person? Like, okay, great. You, you you threw a schedule up. Why does that matter to me? Like, right. you know, does this schedule, has the schedule been designed to accommodate, you know, my, my schedule, right? If it's a community where people kind of work during the same time frame, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with the speaker, like, who is this person? What do they have to do with the things that I want to hear? And what it, what am I gonna get from from hearing this person speak? Because it's not it's not, and I would especially say, with the pandemic, um, it's not enough to have like a, a quote unquote big name, right? Because right. it's, it's like okay, yeah, they they're like a famous person, but what's the point? Like, what are they going to give me? Especially um, if there's no potential for meeting this famous person. Exactly. Person, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So everything like you already mentioned, there's that undercurrent of, you know, we're sharing this information. We're sharing. What is this with the undercurrent of this is why you should care. This is why we did mm-hmm. this. This is why we did this for you. And this is why it serves you and not, um, just a list of names and that's it and and i feel like there's um going back to to the example of clarity uh, one thing that we learned last year through the virtual pivot is that there that there was a lot more scrutiny around this Mm -hmm. um you know we Mm -hmm. had people asking us questions okay will i learn x y or z Mm -hmm. Uh, because my manager's not going to approve it if i don't um, is this all just going to be inspirational talks or is there going to be some technical stuff yep. as well? Yep. So, um, going into this year, as we've, as we've kind of leveled up the, the game around, um, around our marketing strategy and, and put some investment there is we're starting to work with the speakers to identify what those outcomes are. Mm-hmm. What are attendees going to learn from what you have to say? Not just a talk title, because those can be, you know, you can make up a talk title that would appeal to anybody. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the talk title is if the attendee didn't actually learn something. Yes. So we want to focus, yes. like, what are they going to learn? Why should they care about yes. this? Um, yes. Why is this relevant in this context? Um, mm-hmm. Those are the types of things that people are interested in. And if you can help communicate those in your marketing uh, and in your attendee communications, that's going to help both um, convince people to attend, but also help them set the right expectations for what they're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is a slight distinction 
but a parallel life, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> to marketing and attendee communications. Right? Uh, so, yes. <laughs> um, and and I could go. We could record an entire talk show about my pet peeves with attendee communications or lack yes, thereof, because so many too. people. <laughs> maybe this will be the next time. Yeah. Um, but uh, so. You, you're, you've done a lot of work around the attendee journey. That's great. Um, you've got some really thoughtful marketing um, put into place. And let's say someone buys a ticket, whether they are an early adopter who's been before and already has that that value that they've gotten out of it and so they're in it, or whether they're a late arrival yeah. um, and a last minute t- ticket buyer. Mm-hmm. How are they going to know what they need to know? And I think a lot of people, a lot of yeah. people, um, I don't think, I know that there are we a lot know, of people exactly, who completely, <laughs> completely neglect attendee communication. Yes. And so that is part of the journey too. Yes. So that, and that's like, you know, marketing, you have conversion at the ticket purchase mm-hmm. or, the, or the registration. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they are, a now attendee. And so what are you doing to help them continue along that journey? Um, you know, we, we have this whole sequence of emails that we send out, uh, for our clients that Mm -hmm. are, uh, focused on helping set the stage literally for the event. Um, whether that's helpful information they need to know, Mm -hmm. um, more details about the speakers, maybe it's speaker profiles, maybe it's, uh, are there pre-event networking opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, All of these kinds of things are really important to keep attendees paying attention and preparing adequately for the event. Because if you just neglect them and then you come back and you're like, bam, I've done the event. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, wait, wait a minute. And then they're (laughs) going to have whiplash and go, what just happened? Exactly. I was not prepared for this. And that's going to change the entire journey. Um, So do not neglect attendee communications. They, they often will have similar content to the marketing, but you cannot let somebody who's bought a ticket fall by the wayside and just ignore them until the actual event. Yes. And that is, that's a great segue to uh, the the last part of our conversation. Um, Because we've talked about the beginning of the story, the marketing phase, right? I would say that's the call to adventure. Like if the attendee is the hero, we're calling them to adventure, right? They've made the purchase. Uh, they've taken up the call, right? Um, so now we're like the, uh, uh, there's a word for this. Not the guru, the person that helps the, the adventure. Help me out here. The person that helps the hero, like we're giving the hero what they need, right? Yes. The uh, I'm totally blanking on what the <laughs> word is too, but there's... There's a, a name for it's like yes. the wise sage, right? Like exactly. The, yes, yes, yes. So we're the, the, the wise one with the information or the skills yeah. to teach to, to help them along. <laughs> exactly. So they've accepted, they've made the decision, they have the ticket. So it is our responsibility to prepare them for the event. And that's where um that that attendee communications comes along. Because it's really gross to sell somebody a ticket and then completely drop them and forget about them and not care because you got what you wanted, right? Which was the ticket sale. Um, and that's that's why, because you're so right, like that's why it's such a pet peeve for me too because it reads as like, okay, yeah, I got what I wanted and I'm done with you, right? 
Yeah. Like you're supposed to carry them home, right? So now we've talked about the attending communications, we've prepared them, and now it's the actual payoff, like, you know, like deliver on the story that we've been telling this whole time, which right. is conference time. Okay, so we've done all the groundwork, we've mm-hmm. we've crafted the journey, it's showtime, and now it's it's all about delivering. Mm-hmm. Um everything you've promised so far. And, and a lot of people forget what they've promised along the yes, way. Yes, um, yes. It's about making sure that the attendees, paying attention to the attendees and making sure that mm-hmm. they are getting what you're hoping them to get. Like mm-hmm. no one can, can produce in a vacuum, right? Like um, you have to get attendee feedback to be able to respond to things, Absolutely. especially if you're doing something like pivoting to a virtual event. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of considerations at play. Like, have you thought about how to combat browser tab overload right and mm-hmm. and distractibility yeah competing um, for the attention definitely competing for the attention that's going to be very different than getting them physically in a room and uh, essentially locking them in place for 30 or 40 exactly minutes, and turning right? off like, the lights right and <laughs> and asking them to silence their phones and things yeah. like that right yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so so paying attention to that kind of stuff is really important um and, and some of that comes in the attendee communications as your level setting, as your as your expectation setting, um, helping them make the most out of it. And so there's there's a, a certain aspect of um, kind of concierge attitude mm-hmm. of making sure that you have someone or some people on your team who are dedicated to that attendee experience. Um, in the case of Clarity last year, as we pivoted to an online event, we actually brought in two MCs, one focused on being kind of the speaker host and introducing people and having Q&A sessions. But then we also had an attendee MC, an attendee host that right. was focused on the in-between times, connecting uh, the sessions to each other, facilitating activities or games or things like that, and keeping people engaged and actively participating in the event rather than just watching a live stream video exactly. and you know posting yeah. in a chat, for there's example. In- there's interaction. And yeah. you make a great point of deliver on the promises. Don't tell me that this conference is going to blow my mind. Don't tell me this conference is going to change my life, that it's going to transform my career. And then I show up and it's like two really bored people, like awkwardly sitting at their computers and they don't know what to say next. Like, right. I've been to too many of those. Okay. <laughs> like I have, I have the trauma from it. Because how many have we gone to that the, the, the marketing is fantastic. And then at the actual event, there's absolutely zero interaction with the audience, right? It's it's like I might as well just it's I might as well be watching a video. If deliver on the promises, because this is like the big shebang. This is the show. You've you've told this story all along, like don't drop the ball now. And sadly, a lot of people get to the conference and they do drop the ball. And that's why attendees leave super disappointed and angry and they'll post really angry things on social media but it's because the promise that was made through the story it just it didn't happen and and that's not cool and and i think that comes through in a couple different ways it could be you know having people who are not great at facilitating for Mm -hmm. example it could be um being hands-off about the content development your presenters Mm -hmm. it could be something is 
as raw as technical quality, production quality, right? If you have a rough stream or bad starts or your audio's off or things like that, that can go a long way to damaging issues. I mean, I remember during, I think it was day two of Clarity, we had like a random issue where the live stream got out of sync with audio and video. Mm -hmm. And we, I mean, we scrambled, of course, everybody let us know in the chat and we scrambled. There's um, no time in the chat. Yeah. Like that's anything goes wrong. That's when the chat explodes. Yes. And we were able to fix it within a few minutes, but it felt yeah. like an eternity. Yeah. Um, and thankfully it was during kind of a pre-show moment where, um, you know, it wasn't like core content. Yeah. It wasn't um, the main show, yeah. but that kind of stuff and, you know, technical issues happen, but I think the, the general population's tolerance for quality control is a lot lower. Uh, and so, you know, anything that you can do to smooth your run of show, to make your um, your content uh, flow well, to keep in mind, you know, bathroom breaks and have backup plans if a video doesn't work or things like that, all that kind of stuff is going to contribute to that journey during the show in making sure that the attendees feel paid attention to and Mm -hmm. cared about and valued as participants in the event. Yeah. I feel like the best online conferences, it's as if the hosts are holding the audience's hand in a way. They're guiding them through the experience. Um, And that's important because you are not in the same room with these people. There isn't that sense of camaraderie because I can't look around and see 200 other people. I think um, the, the other thing to keep in mind from a journey perspective is that, especially with an online event, so... Uh, nearly every online conference these days is going to have a live stream and they're going to have a live chat Mm -hmm. accompanying it. Um, Those who choose to engage in a live chat are going to be the most active and vocal people. That's also where the highest tendency is to go off the rails or to turn into, uh, you know, what some attendees call shit posting. Yes. Um, and, and, and to some extent that's fine. Um, but I think it's important not to, uh, not to let the, the experience of those actively in the chat necessarily sway how you're paying attention to the other attendees. And that's tricky because online events remove the feedback loops right? Mm-hmm. The biggest the biggest point of, of concern that we hear working with speakers when we talk about pre-recording or doing a live performance of a talk in an online setting is that they can't read the room like they can in a theater or an auditorium or a conference room or whatever. Um, losing that ability to pick up on body language, to pick up on, to, to hear audible reactions, whether that's a laugh, whether that's a sigh, whether that's a gasp, right? Like you don't get that online. Um, And so even though we don't get that, I think that means it's even more important to pay attention to the unseen attendees. 
um, to pay attention to social media. Some people are going to feel more comfortable posting about the event with a hashtag on Twitter than they are contributing to a frenzied chat that's getting a little out of hand, right? Um, Or getting a little overexcited. Yeah, Um, Yeah, like connecting it back to the attendee journey and the attendee experience, it's not just about your content and what you're throwing at them. It is also about that person's opportunity to meet other people, to experience something in a group, not just a live stream with no opportunity to interact. Um, so yeah, I I will I will defend the chat. Basically, is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, we so are, we're pro chat. Yes, and, and I think that the the the. Um, one thing that we learned or another thing that we learned about clarity last year is how much a community like that was desperate to connect with each other again. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that same kind of, uh, environment may be harder to achieve in the future, especially as the pandemic winds down, fingers crossed, and we start gathering in person, but do not underestimate people's desire to connect with each other and make sure that you are, planning those, pl- making space for those connections to happen within your program. Um, we don't want it to just be back-to-back talks uh, with a chat. You know, there there have mm-hmm. to be ways f- for you to facilitate networking or one-on-one meetings or, um, you know, casual, like there are ways to have social experiences in an online format, especially to help bond the attendees with each other. When when the, the attendees are finding their buddies and feeling like they're with their people, yeah. that contributes to their journey as well and contributes to that positive experience. Absolutely, absolutely. So... Now we're at the end of this journey, right? The conference has happened. And in my notes, I wrote down, why did this matter? So why don't we like end this episode on that thought? Why does the the narrative that we've constructed, why does this journey matter at the end of the day? I think it matters because the entire reason that we have events is for those people. Mm-hmm. You you could not hold a conference if there were no attendees. You just can't. I mean, you're basically just putting people up on stage to share a message and, oh, hey, guess what? You have a TV show or a YouTube video or whatever you're producing. Yeah, great. Good Um, job. (laughs) The whole point of organizing an event is to bring people together, to bring audiences together, to share an experience. If you are not putting intentionality and thought and craft into that attendee journey, then you're failing your audience and you're failing your event. I agree. Well said. Wow. <laughs> Cause I didn't tell you beforehand. I was going to ask you. So good job. <laughs> I you know feel a little stuff. strongly about this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can totally tell. All right. So thanks so much, Isaac. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, If y'all want to find us, we're at kickassconf.com. And, yeah, we'll look forward to hearing from you and seeing you next week. Thanks, Nessa.